0: Welcome to EWA's FinLit podcast. EWA is a fee-only RIA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you, and we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome everybody to today's Finlit podcast. I'm joined here by Jameson Smith of VWA. And we are going to talk in detail about the mega backdoor Roth. Um, so first and foremost, we wanted to start out by saying, you know, the mega backdoor Roth is definitely a strategy for people with high cash flow and the avail- available resources to go above, you know, maxing out a 401k in a traditional sense. And then also, you know, doing a regular Roth IRA as well. So, um, the reason this exists is in 2014, there was a tax code uh, passed called 2014-54. And so in a 401k, there is something called uh, after-tax contributions. And a mega Backdoor Roth is specifically um, talking about those after-tax contributions uh, to get the extra money in and then get it converted to a Roth. So just to start um, to our audience in general, the order kind of hierarchy of which to consider if a mega backdoor Roth is is a fit for you would be one, um, you know, make sure you're first getting enough into the 401k to get the free money available. So for example, if you put in 5% and your company matches 5%, that's the first thing you should do. Um, The second thing you should do is if you have no aggregation, or if your income allows, you should max out what's called a Roth IRA. So a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k are two separate universes. An IRA just stands for an individual retirement account. A 401k is tied to your employer. Same thing as a 403b. That's also tied to your employer. And then if you're able to put in that free match in the 401k, max out a Roth IRA, then I would even say max out a health savings account. Don't use that. Invest it instead and keep that as a triple tax-free account that rides until, you know, your retirement. Use that for healthcare expenses and then I'd even put the checklist that you need to have an emergency fund of three to six months available. So once you've checked all those boxes, then the question becomes, where should I put my extra money? And that's going to be goal-based. So obviously, if it's college planning, you know we wouldn't want to put money necessarily in a 401k, depending on your age, because there'd be penalties to get it out when your kids are going through college and the tuition. But if you are putting resources away towards retirement, this mega backdoor Roth is the most tax-efficient thing that exists after those hierarchy of checklists I just described are met. So um, James, I know we have a, um, a slide to show, you know, the difference of someone accumulating this, because typically, you know, where do you see people accumulate money after they hit those checklists? Um, 401k match roth ira hsa have that emergency fund then we're going to add a fifth component there where you go back to max out your 401k in the traditional sense so talk to us about you know where do you typically see people accumulate money once those checklists are are fulfilled without knowing what to make it back to roth is
1: um yeah it either accumulates in cash usually we're in a non-qualified investment account it's kind of the default to you know, out loud of places to put money if you're a high-income earner and you're doing all those things. Um, and so to your point, depending on the goals, if you, if you have short-term, shorter-term, not short-term, but shorter-term pre-retirement goals, you know, maybe you want money in the non-qualified taxable account, but if the goal is long-term financial independence savings to maximize tax efficiency, then you know totally agree. This would be the, the bucket to put money into.
0: So... Well, as I describe what's the four one five C limit is to set the stage, can you pull up that slide that shows the difference between a million dollars invested in a taxable account versus a Roth account?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like a, a two million dollar. It's a huge yeah, difference. So we'll so actually
0: put the edit the slide here in as we're as we're talking. But okay, so I think that's an important point that Jameson brought up is that this so the mega backdoor Roth, we're under the assumptions that you've gone through those hierarchy, you've checked off those five li- things off the list and that the ex- excess money that you are talking about saving is geared towards long-term financial independence. Because the money you put inside of this mega backdoor Roth, once you reach the age of 59 and a half, assuming that there's been a five-year time lapse between the converted money to the Roth, then the money inside of the Roth or the converted part into the Roth, all of the contributions you made, all of the growth, everything then distributes out to you tax-free. And better yet, if you roll it to a Roth IRA, a Roth IRA is not subject to required minimum distributions. So then you have complete control of your money over what's called a sequence of return risk, which is absolutely massive. Um, okay, so before I go through, give us, give us the actual numbers. So this slide's going to appear on the screen if you're watching this on Spotify, it's on video if you're watching this on YouTube.
1: So this is example of taking a million dollars of after-tax money, um, investing at an in 8% per year rate of return over 20 years. So, if that's going in, um, inside of a taxable investment account where you're paying capital gains taxes on the growth, that accumulates to about 2.5 million, approximately 2.5 million. You that's
0: assuming like, what capital gain tax?
1: 23.8%.
0: Okay. And we just round that up to 24, I believe, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or um, 25. And then the second scenario is if that million dollars was put inside of a Roth account and just you didn't pay tax on any of that growth, um, it'd be about 4.6 million. It's like a $2 million difference from paying capital gains taxes to it being tax-free.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So, okay, so um, see episode one because if you have already done the mega back to Roth and you're accumulating money in a non-qualified account, direct indexing is a way to... Offset a lot of those taxes. So see episode one of our podcast to talk about direct indexing. But
1: then I think episode two we did the pre-tax. Whatever. There's another episode we did pre-tax versus Roth. So that
0: that also gives great details yeah. on the Roth as well. So okay, let's really get digging into details of this mega backdoor Roth. So there's something called a 402g limit, um, and a 402g limit is specific to someone's Social Security number. So Jameson, give us that. What is a 402g and What, how much can you put into this dependent on your age? What's the breakdown? This
1: is the standard. Um, when people think about what they're funding into their 401k, they're most likely referring to the 402g limit. So, this is your standard salary deferral if you're under the age of 50, um, 22,500 per year in 2023. For over the age of 50 you get an extra $7500 catch up contributions of $30,000 per year. Um, that can either be pre-tax or Roth if your employer allows it and you get you get one of these. So if you have a W2 job and then you have 1099 income 402 g limit you can only do one time so you would do that with the, the w-2 job
0: So you, that brings up a, a good point you can have multiple 401ks if I am a w-2 Physician and I have my own consulting or legal work business. I could set up a 401k tied to 1099 But what you said is so important the 402g is only one time. So if I've used that at my day job my w-2 then my other 401k, I would have to forego the 402g limit and just focus on a profit share or, or a you know after tax contribution, right? So, um, okay, so I like using the analogy that a 401k is a bucket. So the a common misconception we see is that most people think like if you're under fifty, that twenty two thousand five hundred limit is like the total that can go in, even between what you put in and the match, and that's just not true. The total that can go in. So imagine you have got this bucket and there are four compartments just for simplicity of money that can go in and that bucket represents the 401k so if you're under 50 the total water and in this analogy the total money that you can put in that bucket if you're under 50 is $66,000 a year so what you just said the 402g limit mean, is just the first compartment of that bucket it's 22,500 and then there's a match component. So let's say you're making two hundred thousand, and you get a five percent match. So the next component would be a match, which would be ten thousand dollars. And then let's say there's a profit sharing component of five percent. So your company match it, you know, doesn't match a five, does it profit sharing a five. So five percent of two hundred would be another ten. So now we've done twenty two thousand five hundred plus gotten a ten thousand dollar match plus gotten a ten thousand dollar profit share. So the total that we put in so far between you and your company is 42,500. Well, the total that can go in is, you know, 66,000. So just doing some quick math, that's 23,500 per year that most people don't know is still available in a fourth compartment that you can fill water into this thing and get to that full 66,000. And guess what, if you're over 50, That bucket goes up to $73,500. There's an extra $7,500 if you're over 50 that you can fill in. So it's either $66,000 total that can go into this bucket if you're under 50 or $73,500 total if you're over 50. So that fourth compartment is what is referred to as the mega backdoor Roth. So um, most people, first of all, don't know this exists or sometimes they'll get after-tax confused with Roth. Roth is after-tax, but it is way, way better than after-tax if you just leave after-tax alone. So the after-tax alone, if you just contribute to it and you never convert it to Roth, is actually what I believe is the worst thing in the world. So James, can, can you give the reasons why that's the worst thing in the world?
1: The, um, yeah, so the basis we could come out tax-free and then the growth you pay income tax on.
0: And that's income taxes. That's not capital gain taxes. So hypothetically, if you're a doctor and you accumulate a lot of assets and you retire, basically if you put in a million dollars in after tax and it's grown to 2 million, when you take it out, first of all, it's pro rata. So you can't say, oh, I want to take just my million out. It's pro rata when you take it out. It is subject to required minimum distributions, you know, once you turn 73 now and that full million dollars gets taxed at income rates. So if you've accumulated enough assets in your highest tax bracket again, Common misconception is I'll be in a lower tax bracket. Well, if you've done a good job of accumulating money because you're making a good amount of money with dividends, interest, Social Security, RMDs, you're going to be in a mid to high tax bracket again. So then let's say you're paying 35 percent on that. So I would argue, why would you not, instead of doing that after tax, just put the money into a brokerage account mm-hmm. and then later in life you can then pay capital gain taxes of 15 or maybe 23.8 percent, right? So again, I was just being, to prove a point, it's not the worst thing in the world, but if you just do after tax for the sake of doing after tax, we actually wouldn't recommend it. We'd recommend a brokerage account over it. But in 2014-54, the IRS code states that you are allowed to convert that after tax money into a Roth. And you can actually do this in some plans monthly. You could do this sometimes once a year, sometimes twice a year. And that's the key. So in that example where I put in that extra 23500 into after tax, I did the 22500 Roth, Roth, a $10,000 match, $10,000 profit share. So first of all, that component, these different buckets, although it's one statement, they all get tracked differently on the statement because that first compartment of Roth, when I retire, everything's tax-free, assuming I'm 59 and a half. Those next two components were contributed to my employer, and those are, you know, they didn't pay taxes on those when... They put them in, they got a tax deduction that's giving those to me as an employee. So when I take those out, they're subject to RMDs and they're fully taxable at whatever income rate I'm in. So that fourth component, which is actually my money going in after tax, it's after tax dollars. But let's say that $23,500 I put in and it doesn't grow throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, I convert it. I can convert that to a Roth with literally no taxes. And then once it's in the Roth, then forever moving forward, all of that money is tax-free. So let's just say hypothetically that I was lazy and never converted that money. So let's say I'm I'm 65, and then let's say year by year you did the same thing or making the same amount you converted every year. So I'm sitting here at retirement at 65, and in this fourth component of this 401k, this fourth compartment, I have a million dollars that's now worth two million, that I've contributed a million, it's now worth two million. I'm taking it out, I'm in the highest tax bracket. I now owe $370,000 in taxes. Jameson, year by year, disciplined manner, put the money in after tax, took the extra steps to make the calls, do the paperwork to convert to Roth. He now has that million that's grown to $2 million inside of a Roth. All $2 million to him is tax free. So that's just a simple tax savings of $370,000 if you follow this process year by year. So Jameson, what happens if the money, what happens if you put in the $23,500 and there's market growth? throughout the year. So let's say that twenty three thousand five hundred is now worth twenty six thousand dollars at the end of the year. And then you go to convert that. What do you have to show in your tax return now?
1: The what's the difference there? Twenty five hundred of market growth you pay taxes on. So it still all goes into the Roth IRA, but that little bit of growth. So that's the important thing like you said of it won't meet new clients all the time that are sixty years old and they've never done this conversion. You know, like they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in this after tax bucket. Um, but yeah, to directly answer your question is just that what any growth is taxable income is taxable as income. So if you do it each year, um, and again, some plans allow this twice a year, some plans do it automatically. As soon as you put it in, it just converts immediately. And then you could never pay taxes on any of that money if it's done efficiently.
0: So, um, really important. And a lot of times we'll meet with, you know, physicians that have been doing after tax. They don't even know they've been doing after taxes. A lot of times, if you have a high salary, you put in a percentage and you max the 402g limit, it, the money just instead of stopping, once you max, they'll spill it over in this after tax. A lot of times we meet with people at like UPMC, for example, very common one where we'll meet with, you know, a doctor that's like wants to do retirement plan. They're 60 and they'll have a million dollars inside of a after tax account and half a million of that's basis. Half a million of that is growth. Um, So then we have to decide, do we want to do rip the cord and do a one time conversion into the Roth and pay, you know, for most of them, 37 percent on just that half a million or the other option. be we wait till they retire and then you can take a sniper shot like you can roll the million out and just take the basis to the Roth and take the growth to the traditional IRA. Um, But if you wait like that, you know, hypothetically, the rules could change because this is something that has been on the chopping block of the IRS to get rid of the mega backdoor Roth. I mean, it's going to cost the, the government, um, you know, potentially, you know, over a million dollars per taxpayer that does this properly. So just to talk about how beneficial this is, we've run plans, uh, for doctors doing this versus not doing this, saving the same amount of money, just doing the conversions, doing the conversions. And it's over a million dollar difference long um, of value that adds, um, in today's dollars, if you, you know, if you're a young doctor, even if you're an old doctor, sitting on a large after-tax balance. Um, and we get the, the money into the Roth where then instead of it sitting the after-tax where every dollar of growth becomes subject to taxes, every dollar of growth becomes yours tax-free forever and also to your kids, you know, tax-free as well. Not tax-free from inheritance tax if you're above it, but just tax-free from, from income tax. Um, okay, so let's, I know we've been pretty nerdy so far. James, anything to add before we talk about you know, so let me ask you a couple questions, just rapid fire, um, common questions we've gotten over the last like 10 years. Um, so, Jameson, I thought I'd make too much money to do a Roth.
1: Yeah, you um, you do, but there's a loophole. So you could you can't directly fund to comp- loaded question first with the Roth IRA. You can't directly fund a Roth. You do make too much money to put money directly into a Roth IRA. You can, however, do what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. So again, this is two universes, IRA, and then assuming you have a 403B plan, plans, totally separate. IRA, do a after-tax IRA contribution, convert it to Roth, assuming you don't have any traditional IRA balance. We're going to assume you don't. Perfect, you do a backdoor Roth, fix that problem. Let's say you did have an IRA balance, you can't do that, you're over the income limit to do a Roth IRA, so you can't do a backdoor Roth IRA shift to the 403b plan, the other universe, there's zero income limit on that. So that's one nice thing about this. If you do have what um, it's called aggregation issues or tax law, tax rule, whatever you want to call it, um, where you can't do the backdoor Roth because you have a pre-tax balance, this is a way that you could get around that and fund money into Roth 401k, Roth 403b, mega backdoor Roth, and that is that goes out the window. So no income limit at all.
0: Okay. Awesome. So I could be making as much money as possible and still do this mega backdoor Roth. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my accountant told me that I shouldn't do a Roth because I'm gonna be I'm in a highest tax bracket now and I'll be in a lower tax bracket later. What's your short answer for that?
1: Um, you very well maybe. Um Pro, I'm just going to assume here that we're talking to someone that's high income earner. You know, you probably have a lot of um, you're going to have a couple million dollars in a pre tax IRA 401k, you're going to have a large non qualified account, so you're going to have at least like 50,000 a year probably of dividends that gets shown as income plus social security, maybe a pension, maybe part time work, um, maybe you have private equity or other things that get added on to your tax return, capital gains. Um, and all of this stuff that we don't think about is automatically going to push us up into high, more, a higher tax bracket than we think. And then RMDs are going to kick in, and if you have you know a few million dollars in in a pre-tax IRA, that's going to be pretty significant, even if you don't need the money. So um, you could be in a lower tax bracket, with what we've seen with all of those things, you probably won't be. Um, and then as well as taxes right now are historically low, if you look back at... Um, you know the, the previous tax law that we're in a low tax environment. We know it's going up in twenty twenty six. Probably going to be even higher in the future. Is my professional opinion. So let's take advantage of locking in low tax rates right now.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. And one thing I would add, not stepping out of the um, the hypothetical conversation here, is that you know most people that are going to cash flow mega back to Roth, they're they're executives, they're physicians, they're they're people that make you know let's call them top five percenters essentially. Um, so probably household income over 500,000, right? So with that being said, the people in those kind of careers have a high want for autonomy and control. Um, that's what made, you know, just the psychological profile of someone like that successful typically values, um, achievement and success and, and really in return wants autonomy over their life. And so if you look at how your money supports your life, Roth gives you autonomy, pre-tax does not. And that this forget tax equations that, you know, CPAs can get really caught into, I really believe from a tax perspective, you'll win dramatically with a Roth, um, by having it at least be like a third of what you do throughout your life. You shouldn't do all Roth. I get it. Like you're going to have pre-tax exposure. You're going to have, you want to navigate the equilibrium of tax brackets and have some that does come out lower rates and some that avoids higher rates. If you have a widow situation, your tax brackets shrink in half. If you have Medicare rates you're trying to keep low, um, but the biggest reason why I think a Roth is important for these kind of clientele is the control. So with a Roth, mega back to a Roth, et cetera, all of that when you retire can be consolidated to a Roth IRA. And with a Roth IRA, there's no required distributions. And if you reference episode two, we go into detail about sequence of return risk. And when the market's going up and down and you're retired, with a Roth IRA, you have full control. You don't need a the government dictating how much to take out like they would in a pre-tax account, the market drops, there's no loss. You can just let it recover versus a pre-tax account. Every year that you don't take it out, there's a, a steep penalty, uh, yeah. when you don't take it out. Yeah. So the control aspect I think is Huge. so important. It's never talked about though.
1: I didn't make an analysis. I just thought of this too. I think a lot of not knocking CPAs, there's a lot of really good CPAs, but a lot of them are very short sighted and they're very, how do we maximize your tax return this year and make you pay like the least amount of taxes as possible? Um, But if you're really looking at things through, like, the lens of your entire lifetime, and so same thing, like, I'd use the analogy of, like, your health. You could do, like, a fad diet for, like, a month, and maybe you, like, see a bunch of health benefits, but, like, if after that month you stop doing the fad diet and you just go back to your old habits, like, that's not a sustainable, you know, anything you do with your health, you want to make it, at least I do, like, long-term sustainable for your entire lifetime. And same thing with, like, looking at taxes. We don't want to just look at the lens of what you're doing this calendar year, how do we maximize it? It's like, no, let's take a long-term time horizon and let's project out what your tax situation is going to be 40 years from now and make sure that this entire lifetime is optimized.
0: No question, completely agree. Um, Okay, well, let's go through, can you think of any other, so how would one go, up, well, first of all, can you think of any other questions, common questions we've gotten about the mega backdoor Roth? Um, a lot of times the clients will say, well, "My my financial advisor said I wasn't eligible to do that, or it um, said it doesn't exist because I work for an employer. I actually just gave a talk for a Health Network, and that was like two or three different people walked up to me, and they said, my financial advisor said, I can't do this. Um, well, we do it for like 100 physicians at AHN, so they can't do it. We do it every year. So... I, I think that's a common one is you sometimes you do have to dig deep because when you call the company, they a lot of times don't, they don't know you know can do it. Well they don't know what a mega backdoor auth yeah, is. I mean yeah. this is kind of hidden in the tax code yeah. again, 2014-54. Um, but it's it's not the mega backdoor auth is just like a slang term that financial advisors use or made up. Really the code is putting after tax money in and then looking at the summary plan description, which if you're an employee of anywhere, you can ask for the summary plan description. And then, and sometimes the summary plan description doesn't even show it. Then going in the software and seeing, are, am I eligible to convert after tax to Roth? If you are, great. If not, you call the custodian. Give an example like Humana, um, ADP, another example. We call them and they said, no, you can't do this. Well, we start digging around and you absolutely can do this. Uh, there is a mega back to Roth at both of those companies. So sometimes it does cr- take a lot of work to get to the bottom of it and know what you're asking for, but a good financial advisor can get to the bottom of it for you. Yeah.
1: I'd say just get the plan description, do, do some research. And then, um, exactly what you said, a lot of financial advisors don't understand this, unfortunately. And which in return, if you know, you're not a financial advisor, you're, you're going to probably not fully understand this unless you do your homework. Um, so consult someone that, you know, has a good understanding of this and you probably have, just have to do some homework, but yeah, let's, absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's so dive into like specific companies.
0: Okay, perfect. So, our favorite one uh, well, our favorite two the two enemies, UPMC and <laughs> HN. Um, let's talk through UPMC first. So, this is, and there's caveats to every one of these. It's not, just not simple. Yeah. Sometimes you can't reach those uh, those the- limits. So, UPMC is, you know, if you think about UPMC, there's lots of physicians, but they also have lots of nurses and MAs. And so, a 403 or 401k has to pass what's called a discrimination test. There's three ways to do that, but how UPMC does this is they do allow, so they, they give a nice match. If you put in 6%, they'll put in 3% right off the bat. Um, however, the after-tax component, they do cap you at 6%. So let's just go through some numbers here. So um, I think you gave an example, but okay. So let's say 22500 goes in the Roth. Let's just say someone's making $500,000. Um so it goes on the Roth. Now you would only need you would you would take five percent of your salary to get to that twenty two thousand five hundred and you'd be maxed out probably around November. So then what you do is you take another, you're eligible to another six percent of your salary into after tax. So six percent of five hundred would be thirty thousand. And then you're gonna get a three percent match of the five hundred. So that's you know, fifteen. So all in all, um, we're above it. So what's going to happen here is we have to be careful because um, also some employers, if you contribute too quickly, then the match will shut off. So if someone's making $500,000 at EPMC, we would recommend put in the exact amount um, or put in, let's just say, 4%, no, I'm sorry, 5% into Roth. Five percent into after tax. So that would mean twenty two thousand five hundred. Five percent of the five hundred be twenty five thousand after tax, and then the match would be fifteen, so that'd be sixty two five. Um, that would get us pretty close. Ideally here we'd want we need to put in the exact dollar amount for the Roth and then do six percent in the after tax and then make sure that we don't max out too quickly to also get the free money, if that makes sense. And then if you're making a million dollars a year, hypothetically, you know, you'd want to do about 3% Roth, 3% after tax, or two and three, um, well, you'd want to, you always want to do 6% to get the free money. So, you, you know, hypothetically though, you do three and three and spread it out to get the free match and also get to the full 415C limit. But the point is with UPMC, um, because of this 6% cap and because of the, the match, you want to make sure it doesn't go too quickly so you don't lose the match. There are. There are literally individual calculations we do for every single client based upon their income to see, are you eligible? Now, it's it's easier if you're like, let's say, a $300,000 income because then the $22,500, you know, hypothetically, we just put an 8% to right into Roth, $22,500. We'd do the 6% max in the after tax, so that'd be 18000 and then we'd get a 3% match, so that'd be $9,000. Um, so all in all here you know we're at 49,500 there's no possible way the plan doesn't allow us to get to the 66,000 so if your income's like let's say 400 or less you can It it is a pretty obvious calculation it's the higher incomes that you have to be really careful about not losing the free money but also maximizing as much as possible to get the mega backdoor roth implemented correctly um, and then sometimes you do have to go back in and recalibrate that on a year-to-year basis. Again, if you want to solve for getting the most amount of money in and also getting the free money that UPMC would provide. Yeah. Anything to add to that?
1: No, then you just got to, so once you do that, then the after-tax needs converted to Roth. UPMC, you're allowed to do it twice per year. Um,
0: so tell about the systems we have in place to do this.
1: So, yeah, we have, um, which we're starting to do right now as we're approaching quarter four, we have tracked every person... Client that has, um, you know, the Mega Backdoor Roth option, and then um, one, at least once a year we go in and do this conversion you know, between now and December. Um,
0: and the reason at UPMC we do it twice a year because they allow for it, and so the the key for that is we want to convert it before it's grown. Because if you let it ride the whole year, then it does. You do pay taxes if the market had a good year on the growth. But if we catch it halfway through the year, convert it, and then do the second half, then we're lowering the tax liability for our clients. So we always do the UPMC side twice a year, and then some other plans, you know, for example, are once a year that we do. Um, but the UPMC is pretty simple. It's an in-plan conversion. Um, and then once you reach 59 and a half, you actually are eligible, even if you still work there, to roll your money out to IRAs. The reason that's so important at the age of 59 and a half is to get money from a 403b or a 401k into an IRA to a Roth IRA. Specifically, You can roll your Roth money into a Roth IRA. You can roll your after tax basis into a Roth IRA and your after tax growth then into a traditional IRA. The after tax rollover to a Roth has a five year time window on it. If you roll that to a Roth IRA and then use it four years from now, there's a 10% penalty on the basis. And so if you're going to retire, your money is so much more valuable in a Roth IRA than it is a Roth 403B or a Roth 401K. And the reason for that is because there's no required minimum distributions on the Roth IRA side. If you leave money in a Roth 401K, you're never going to pay taxes on it when you take it out, but it is subject to required minimum distributions. So if the market's up, the market's down, the market's up, the market's down, every year you have to take it out. Versus if we get that to a Roth IRA, you gain full control of that money. The so Roth IRA from a control perspective is so much more important. So again, if you're a UPMC, twice a year we're doing conversions as you're working. Once you reach 59.5, then we're staying disciplined to roll it out every year just to hit that five-year clock. Um, so when you do retire, you you have as much money as possible in that um, that fully autonomous account where you fully control it, the Roth IRA, not the Roth 401k. Um so that's, I think, a very unknown thing is that once you reach 59.5, you can still be employed, st- roll out the money, keep the plan, and keep contributing to the plan, but get all that money vested outside of the plan um, to start that five-year clock. Anything to add to that?
1: No. Um, UPMC has a great one plan that allows, if you're a high-income earner, you can get the full full 415C limit, um, which is not always the case with how the plans are drawn up.
0: Yeah, no question. No question. Um, okay. So Allegheny Health Network, walk us through this one.
1: Yeah, so similar but different. Um, it is in-plan conversions, are just like UPMC. Any of the after-tax, you can convert to Roth. You can't roll it. They used to be able to roll it to an IRA, and then just they, when they switch providers, I think last year. Um, you have to do the conversions. It has to stay in the 401k plan. But we'll just go through the example. If you are... Um, let's say making, we'll stick with that 500000 of income, you're going to do that 22500 Roth deferral. Um, and
0: you have to be really careful here because AHN, unlike UPMC, AHN based the, the contribution limit off of the IRS income. Mm-hmm. So explain that.
1: So it's off of that 330000 IRS, I don't know what the, Actual term doesn't yeah it doesn't yeah. matter um yeah it's based off of that so the, the um, after tax contribution you're able to do five percent they cap you at um five percent of the three thirty but it's up again, to three thirty yeah. versus UPMC would be five percent of the full five hundred yeah 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 um, so in that example you know you're getting your twenty two thousand five hundred and then you're gonna get sixteen thousand five hundred into after tax. And then they match um, sixteen thousand five hundred. So what's the total there? 32, 33, 54, no, 55,500 55, something like that. So you're under the you're you're under the sixty six. Yeah, you can't 000. get to the sixty six at the yeah. Health Network. It's, it's but impossible.
0: It's impossible but you can get way above I mean you can get in the fifties, yeah. close to sixty range. Yeah. Um and get that extra that extra sixteen thousand five hundred a year in the mega back to Roth component of that fourth component. Because basically, you're able to do the 22500 deferral into the Roth, get the 4% match, plus they contribute 1%. So they put in a total of 5% of your first 330. That's sixteen five that will go into that pre-tax bucket, all funded by Allegheny Health Network. And then the 16500 in addition to that, which is the 5% after tax, then on a year-by-year basis can be converted to the Roth. I mean, that's huge. Yeah,
1: and this just changed, too. Like I said, they switched providers, I think it was last year, and used to only be able to do 3%. And now they gave you that extra is used it two? 2% it two. used to be 2%. Yeah. It yeah. used to be 2%. Now it's five. Um, so if you are an AHN physician, you haven't, you know, if you don't work with us and you haven't maximized this, then, you know, you have an opportunity to increase to 5%.
0: No question. So basically if you're under 50 at Alliant Health Network, you can get a total of 55,500 in. And if you're over 50, you can get a total of 63,000 uh, in. My
1: math is spot on.
0: I just did the, yeah. did the mental math while you were doing it. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um,
1: And then let's talk about, uh, yeah, anything else on AHN?
0: No, this is the one. I think UPMC, the words kind of get buzzed around where it's available. And IHN I feel like it's still a secret. Yeah. Like people don't know. Because the four, I mean, it just changed provider. It changed from, it changed so many times. It changed from TIA to to, Fidelity, then Fidelity to somebody else, then to Transamerica, then Alight.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, because it used to be 2%, it was only like, Five or six thousand dollars a year, so people didn't care as much. That's a lot of changes over the last 10 yeah. years. I've
0: been, I've been doing talks at HN for oh geez, 13 years now, and it's I mean, having a provider change like four times, oh yeah, let alone one time. I mean, most people like they're, they're training yeah. medicine, not finances. That would yeah, be that's yeah. a lot to keep up with, yeah. so
1: um, yeah. I say, let's go on. I, I think I don't know why, but I've seen a lot of tech companies allow this, like pretty much every tech company.
0: Yeah, tech companies like they're they're in front of the computers, they do lots of research, yeah. you know, smart smart um, people, I guess. Usually we see tech people are a little bit more like do it themselves yeah. and finances and they, than I, doctors are.
1: I wonder this is interesting to noticed, Probably because like they have complicated equity compensation with stock options, RSUs and again, unfortunately a lot of financial advisors can't give great advice on that. Some some are very good and some are not um and so it's probably their default to do their own homework and research all that stuff so the, yeah they're usually more in, in touch with it and i think um a lot of tech companies so you have this list we'll go through in a second but google for example they're allowed to um get to the full sixty-six thousand, um and then they're actually there's converts automatically so you don't even have to go in and do it it's just when you make that after tax contribution converts and i've seen a lot of For whatever reason, a lot of like tech companies, it's the same exact same setup, but run through the list.
0: Yeah. So, um, some of the ones we're very familiar with, you know, ADP is a really good company here. Uh, a lot of big exposure in Pittsburgh, obviously, and they allow it. Yeah. And, and, um, we had to really dig that up. So I don't, I would say probably less than 1% of ADP, uh, workforce knows that they are allowed to make it back to Roth. Cause we called, oh geez, three or four times. And, um, they said no, 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 and then we finally got to the bottom where you can't do it. But it, it does require a lot of work. So ADP, um, all the big, you know, the big. What do they call the the thing? Fang, yeah. yeah, Facebook, Apple, um, Netflix, Google, Amazon. Um, they, those obviously, those all allow it. Microsoft does Uber, um, Oracle, Mastercard, Snapchat. I mean, I'd have a whole list of fifty companies here. So the, I mean, the point is, like, if if you work at a big company. Um, most likely, the mega backdoor Roth is available, and you you know, advice is if you if they if you call HR and they say no, if you call your 401k provider and they say no, over half the time where we hear that no, we still are able to find that it's a yes. <clears throat> you just they don't know what a mega backdoor Roth is, and they don't know the steps actually do exist to be able to do it inside of of the 401k plan.
1: I'd say read the summary plan description and another. Um <laughs> fail safe or something you could look at is if you go on your contribution website so Fidelity for example and you go edit your contributions there's going to be an option to do after tax and if there is an option that's an indicator if there is any option to make an after tax contribution then this probably exists so that can give you you know be the catalyst to do some homework
0: no question well um we welcome any questions you have on the Mega Backdoor Roth, and we're here obviously to to help you implement the Mega Backdoor Roth. We do this for all of our existing clients; that have it available. Um, we also, are, you know, are happy to do a free consultation for you if you're not sure if working with a financial advisor is a good fit for you. We want to make sure it's mutually, you know, a good fit for us and for you, and make sure you know it's a long term relationship, obviously with no contract. So. Um, Also, uh, please, if you haven't already, you know, feel free to share these episodes with friends, family, anyone that you think would find beneficial. And please also um, rate and uh, review the podcast if you haven't already. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully you found this helpful. really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button. Uh, Make sure to rate the podcast and please share uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial.